listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, Brian Burns and I are going to jump into five mistakes we often see people make in Q1. You know, Q1 is a sensitive time of the year. It's you setting the stage for your success uh, for the coming months. And there are typical mistakes that we've seen over and over sales reps make that kind of get in the way of their ability to uh, you know achieve that ultra high performer status. Even some of the top uh, top you know, sales reps that we've worked with, uh, there's a couple of mistakes we, we see consistently uh, from them as well. And so in order to ensure we're providing you with perspectives that are going to help you be wildly successful this year, Brian and I decided to, you know, tap our collective uh, intelligence for what that's worth and, and our experiences uh, as leaders, sales leaders, as well as individual contributors and put together kind of a list of the top five mistakes we see in Q1. So hopefully you can avoid them. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, Chad, what do you see people making big mistakes with in Q1? Uh, the first and easiest one, uh, and we kind of joked about this before, but I see a lot of reps not leverage or take their sales kickoff seriously, right? It becomes a, hey, we're going to Vegas, we're going to Dallas for four days, or we're going to New York, and the jokes start in December about who's going to get the drunkest and pass out and miss a meeting or whatever. Depending on what that agenda is, I mean, I... I've seen organizations invest quite a bit to make those events extremely valuable for reps. And I think the tendency for reps is to think, hey, this is a party for a week, rather than really grab every nugget they can from those kickoffs so it can power their year. Not only energize them and let them learn and connect with coworkers, but some of the content that these that companies put out there is pretty impressive. I mean, they're bringing guest speakers, and we've both done that for companies. Kickoffs, uh, you have you have you know workshops where you can learn more about the products or you know test your skills in some kind of new sales approach or something like that. It's an opportunity to feed your head that I think is kind of unrivaled. And I don't see a lot of reps really taking it seriously. Yeah, yeah, I, I've seen it because I've been on both sides of it. I, I can't tell you, you know, the number of, um, you know, kickoffs that I've sat through <laughs> <laughs> as a rep. And, you know, in the last five years, the number of that I've done. And, you know, certainly when you're the presenter up there for a couple of days, it's, it's brutal. <laughs> but, <laughs> it is trying to keep their attention. Know, yeah, well, that's it, especially when you have, you know, hundreds as opposed to, you know, a small group. I love the small groups when you get, a, you know, in the hundreds and you're supposed to engage them. It's really hard. And, you know, and you, I could basically tell you by what they're doing, how much they're making. <laughs> I, I little, you know, I can tell. Okay, you, you got the, um, you know, the C players who always sit in the back. Or playing with their phones all the time. The A players are sitting right up front. They're coming up with questions. They're interrogating you. Yes. They're really trying to get something out of you because, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a comedian or an actor. You know, I'm, I'm really there trying to help you make more money. Right. And in that part, if you don't embrace it, you know, argue with somebody, debate it. You know, because that's when you really learn, because that's where you get on the same page. And it, it is too easy just to kind of sneak out of the room and start calling your clients or surf the web or whatever 
else distracts you. Well, and I and I loved when doing kickoffs halfway through. Typically, you know, if it's a keynote or or if it's a workshop, like halfway through the morning, I'll just stop and I'll say, "Okay, I want to make a prediction." Those of you that are looking at your phones right now are going to be working someplace else next year. Those of you that are those of you that are engaged with me are going to beat your quota, and those that are still trying to figure out why you're in the room, you have a chance. So. Take a step towards me, and I'll take two steps towards you. But I can't do this for you. And, and it's funny to see what's happening before I do that, what happens after I do that, and then next year when I'm back, how right was I? <laughs> well, that's it. I made a mistake. <laughs> Just ignoring them, because if they're not invested in themselves, why should I? But um, you could just tell. You know, oh, yeah. I never – Never outed anybody because managers always ask, you know, like, you know, who, who gets it, who doesn't. And the, the thing is, in sales, that the order takers are not going to survive. No, they're no not. No matter how, how much you kiss your manager's butt, <laughs> those jobs, you know, they're just not going to pay that much for you to process paper. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean you, you, have to, you have to continually evolve yourself because the vast majority of your customers or your buyers are evolving themselves, maybe not uh, proactively, but just as a, as a result of having kids that are teaching them new technologies and introducing new concepts or businesses that are going to new markets and new products. If you don't keep up with your skill set, if you don't invest in yourself and take that opportunity, and all you want to do is pick up the phone and have somebody write you a check, Man, it's time to look for another job as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and, and then you, plus, plus you get the whole – most of the company there. You get the marketing people, the product marketing people, the people who build the product, uh, the CEO. Yep. I mean th- this is the time to build that relationship. I mean because- how often do you have that opportunity to sit down with marketing and say, look, this is what I need. This is what will help me. In sales, rather than halfway through the year complaining to your manager that marketing is not providing what you want, which kind of seems to be one of those trend lines. Well, they're providing something to somebody, right? Right. And, <laughs> Might as well be. And you. I deal with marketing all the time, but marketing's magnet is doing what's best for their career, not the company nor sales. Right. Why, why do they do that? Because they want, you know, they, they want that portfolio and that relationship. With you know the because I deal with this all the time, and it's like, well, is that the best thing for the company? <laughs> you know, it's like, right. no, it's not. Is that what the salespeople are asking for? Nope, that's not what they're asking for. <laughs> you know, but but we got oh, it done. It sh- <laughs> sure would look good on your resume, now wouldn't it? And, and but everyone's got a different motive, and if the CEO doesn't even know your name, oh, uh, yeah, right, because. Uh, you know, I, I typically worked for companies in either Boston or Silicon Valley. That that was kind of my my space, and the cultures were exact opposites. You know, in Boston, the, the, the it's like sport, and <laughs> if you read read the book about like HubSpot, they call it graduation. Yeah, that's how sadistic they are about firing people, and the the, the constant conversation was who 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 do we fire next? And it's like, well, you spend half your time hiring people. And the other half. <laughs> <laughs> Can we work on actually improving people? <laughs> and then Silicon Valley, it's all about, you know, what kind of wine do you like? And where do oh, you yeah. see the industry going? And you know, I like, play much better on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's certainly more peaceful and quality of life on the West Coast. But 
you know what happens when it doesn't work because it's it's typically either it works or it doesn't. And right. if the only thing that makes it work is revenue. Yeah. At the end of the day, depending on, you know, culture is important. All of the things are important to come together. But but what are we in business for? Unless we're a nonprofit. If we're a nonprofit, maybe it's mission and funding. But if we're a business, we're a for-profit business, it, uh, it's revenue. I don't know what else, you know, what else are we, maybe it's market share. You can, you know, there's four or five things that a company objective may consist of. At the end of the day, revenue is the measure. It's the measure. Yeah. It's the measure for success. That's it. I was at a, you know, super early stage company uh, back at, at, during the boom. Uh, what was it, 99 to, no, no, it was like right, it was right before the bust around 2000. And the company raised $50 million without a product, <laughs> right? Because it was superstar CEOs and all this stuff. And I thought I had it made. I was, you know, the first salesperson they hired, they hired 10 immediately. And they, and they, it was all MBO based because <laughs> they didn't have a product. So they were looking for pipeline and, and, and people just made it up. You know, it was like, <laughs> and then I, I got the first customer. And they were yelling at me because I dedicated an engineer for a week for free to get the deal. And I go, it's revenue. <laughs> you guys? Now we have an actual paying customer. Isn't that crazy? And they, 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 oh, yeah, but he spent a week there. It was better than spending it in his basement. Yeah. You know, that's... <laughs> Or, you know, hanging around me, you know, going out and giving presentations that I could do on my own. Uh, but I think the point there is you've got to understand the culture. And at the end of the day, the company went out of business, obviously. <laughs> Surprise. You know, so 50 million was just wiped away. Uh, and I had left there right after 9-11 because oh. I go, you know, this place is not going to go anywhere and I'm money motivated. So I have to go find a real job. But, you know, <laughs> on the West Coast, you get the Kumbaya speech about saving the world and the environment. But at the end of the day, the board of directors and the VCs want money. They yeah. want shareholder equity. Yeah. And it. In sales, you can't get commission on, you know, goodness and saving the world. Yeah, and I think that's perfect. I mean, in terms of mistakes the NRC reps make, that's one of them. Forgetting what this is about. Like, it's very easy... I mean, I've, I've been in and worked with clients that have these amazing cultures, right? There's, there's ping pong tables and video games and, and there's free food and there's yoga and gyms <laughs> and, and, you know, saunas and all of this stuff. And that's, that's great. I get it. But that stuff isn't free, right? That culture that you want requires revenue. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm doing the Jack Nicholson thing from Few Good Men. It's about <laughs> revenue. Um, <laughs> it's all about revenue. And reps have a tendency, I think, sometimes, depending on that type of culture, to get caught up in that and forget that really, oh, well, hey, I made my call, so I did my activity level. Uh, oh, okay. What, how much revenue did you generate today? Well, none yet, but I'm close. Okay. Yeah. The, you know, the name of the game, understanding, understand the profession you're in. It's awesome to help businesses solve problems. You're going to meet some amazing people and you're going to, you're going to form some incredible long lasting relationships. And, and that's the, that's the spice of life. But the job, the thing that you have been hired to do is to capture the revenue for the company. I used to tell my, uh, my teams like, okay, look, our job is to go get the revenue. Why is our job to go get the revenue? So the company grows. And so that all of the other people in here can live nice lives, 
pay for their benefits, put their kids through school. We are the engine that makes that happen. So understand without that revenue, none of that, none of that's going to happen. The company's going to shrink, close its doors, whatever. Our job is to bring in the revenue and have no, no, don't kid yourself that it's about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a story about that because I, I worked at one of those companies and, you know, they had the ping pong table, had a gym, beautiful gym in the building that was solely for the company. And, you know, they had, you know, free food, uh, beautiful offices, all decorated and stuff. Of course, with venture capital's money, not revenue. Yeah, right. And I I was working there and the, the new guy started and he started taking advantage of all this stuff. And I, I did none of it because I know what happens when you do. <laughs> you know? and, and I took him aside. I go, that stuff's not for salespeople. He goes, what do you mean? It's for all the employees. I go, it is. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh-huh. but unless you're crushing your number, guess what they're going to tell you? Hey, what? Hey, enough massages. Get on the phone. You know? Right. Yeah, that treadmill. You know what? We could put that up at your desk so you can actually be doing calls while you're on the yes. treadmill. And that's it. I think Q1, which is naturally distracted, you know, and I've, I've talked to several reps in the last couple of weeks because we get the, the hangover from Q4 where, right. where it's like all of a sudden somebody turned the lights on at 3 a.m. at a particular entertainment <laughs> establishment. <laughs> I have no we're idea we're like, we look at our watch about. and we're like, isn't it 930? <laughs> yeah. where'd, where'd all the daylight go? <laughs> we got to go home. <laughs> Everyone was so friendly to us. <laughs> <laughs> they were so excited we were here. Yeah. And then, yeah, we got this hangover and we're like, oh, oh wait a second. You know, I'm going from 15% to 3%. Uh, this doesn't feel fair. Uh, I had, you know, five states, and now I've got one state, and now I've got to share this person with three other people. I'm going to look for another job, oh, and yeah. it's like, well, just, just chill. I think people get, you know, there's that five stages of grief. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, we've got to go through those five stages very quickly in January. Otherwise, you know, you'll be in February and March. You won't have a new job because you're not psyched to go look for it. You're kind of mad at the company, but your quota hasn't gone down and nobody filled your pipeline for you. Uh, I think you just have to go through those stages very quickly because uh, I went through it every year. It's actually one of the pleasures of working for yourself is that you don't have that. Right. That is nice, right? That is very nice. I don't have that. Wait, 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 wait. You just cut my territory in half and increased my number 2x. How does that work? <laughs> right. Hold on a sec. Let me I've got a, I need I need a moment. I need to put myself in time out. <laughs> Let me go put, I don't have that. I know, you know, working for yourself, you're right. But it is it's one of those things that, and if you're in sales long enough, you need to know it's coming. Right? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Have you ever met a rep that was 100% satisfied with a new comp plan at the beginning of the year? Not a one. Not a one. Never. Uh, so you're uh, not going to, it's not Christmas. <laughs> it's right. not Christmas. And, and, and has your comp plan ever been better? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Right>? No. <laughs> Unless you're in a dying company. Oh, yeah. And, and that then it's, it's not really better. It's just trying to match or handicap what, what's happening to the industry or the company. Right. And, you know, you've seen that happen all the time. But I remember one year where it's like at the kickoff, you know, I was the rep of the year. I got this big trophy. It was my goal, 
you know, and I'm looking at these people that are a lot older than me, just giving me these scarling looks of why I don't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the next week and I was like on top of the world and, you know, going to club and everything. And then I got the comp plan and it was like, well, well, Brian, you made a lot of money last year. So we, we, we kind of want, we're going to put a couple people in your territory <laughs> And remember that guy you hired and trained as your sales engineer? He's really good. We're going to allow a lot of other people to have access to him. <laughs> and uh, and I'm like looking at this and I'm like, oh, and, you know, and you mope around. and it, But that doesn't serve any purpose. No, it accomplishes you, nothing. You, you call all your headhunters and they're like, yeah, there's plenty of jobs out there. Oh, then you hey, go talk I haven't to talked them. to you since last January. <laughs> and any recruiter who's worth his weight should be calling every good salesperson oh, now without right? a doubt they should yeah they should be pounding the phones for sure yeah because they got a hungry audience <laughs> the problem is the company you're going to you, you know you're starting from scratch you're getting somebody's leftover territory right you know because they're, they're saying okay what what are you willing to give up and you yeah, know, it's like, yeah, Alaska. Yeah, Alaska's not. <laughs> you can have that. Hawaii <laughs> too. Have... I'll give you Hawaii. You can have yeah. that one too. I mean, I might like to go there, but I'm not going to generate a lot of revenue from it. Uh, it you know, the comp plan stuff. It's always kind of like whack a mole. Right? It's like a game of whack a mole. You blow your number out, and then the next year they try to put together a comp plan or restructure their territories or resources so that they can keep you in this imaginary band that, that a CFO somewhere thinks a sales rep should be in, not the one you were in last year. And then you've got to pop up and pull, pull it off again this year, pop out of another hole, and they try and smack you down with the next comp plan. It always, always infuriated me. It, it does. And I've, you know, I've had a couple of managers that protected me, but that is the norm. And yeah. I think you have to get used to it. it. It's part of the profession. You have to say, well, yeah, I'm still making as much as a surgeon, you know, <laughs> you know with true. the education of a plumber. I'm totally were, stealing that. <laughs> were well, better, more educated than me. You know? <laughs> Hey, I finished in the bottom 10% of my high school class. <laughs> oh, I always man. say, that, yeah, there's somebody on death row that did better than me. <laughs> but uh, but that, so you, you kind of got to work that. And I think that comes to my salespreneur idea that if, if your network and your social reach and your business acumen is so good, you know, you are going to be – you know, Jerry Maguire will find you. They, somebody who will put you in the right spot right. and you'll have lots of choices. If you're an order taker, you've got to just take what you're given. Yeah. I mean, the people that, that work at the ultra high performers, um, they, I see them come into Q1 aware of, you know, this is what's going to happen. We know we're going to do the emotional grieving, you know, thing because they're going to mess with territories. We know that's going to happen. So they try to prepare themselves for that. Um, what I, what I, the one mistake I have seen ultra high performers make and not consistently, I see it occasionally, um, is that while they're super proactive at a sales kickoff, um, about getting as much as they can out of it, they're the people, like you mentioned, that are in the front row, uh, engaging with you. I've seen them actually relax a little bit too much on their yeah. client interactions 
during that week. And it creates this little blip that takes a couple weeks to recover. It's not catastrophic by any means, um, but they're, they're doing the best they can to pull everything out of that sales kickoff and they relax their diligence with the customer communication at a time when that customer is also going through everything that happens at the beginning of a new year. And it's pretty critical to make sure you're a continued presence for those really big accounts, right? Um, that's the one thing I've seen to make. So it's that barrier between get everything you can out of the sales kickoff, but don't forget that that means at night, instead of passing out on the bar, it's probably better to be making some phone calls to your customers uh, and sending some emails, right? Uh, I've seen them relax just a little bit too much at times. Yeah, yeah, because that, that's a huge mistake is the, the overindulgence <laughs> on, on, on two parts. One is uh, what you said about, you know, keeping the thing going with the customer because this is the time where budgets are allocated yep. for, for the year. And if, if the company's doing well, they may be increased by the end of the year. But if the company's not doing as well, they may be reduced. The second is if you're out to three, four in the morning, you're not going to be in shape the next oh. morning. And guess what? If 100 people are at a kickoff, someone's going to show up with a cold. Right. Oh. <laughs> and there's all this handshaking and you know physical contact. And so that everyone's going to go home with a cold. Oh, yeah. And, and there goes another week of of your day or your your month, and you just got to get your rest. You know, bring Theraflu, <laughs> bring those oh, little handy wipes. I mean, I've never. I I will speak from the voice of experience. I have never in my career figured out how to be out till three o'clock in the morning <laughs> and ensure. And I've tried, folks. I've tried. <laughs> I've never figured out how to do it and then be ready to rock and roll at 7 a.m. and maintain it all day. Like I can show up at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. for a meeting and I'm good for a couple hours. But then it's, I don't know, the world gets kind of fuzzy. Everything goes a little bit gray. Everybody yeah. seems to mumble, right? You've got to take care of yourself. And that's another mistake I think we, we see a lot of reps uh, make. And, and it's one, I'll be honest, I struggle with. Right? I, when I'm not on the road, I'm in the gym, I'm working out, I'm watching what I eat. When I'm on the road, it's like, ugh, that gym down there just does not cut it. Or that I cannot go, I cannot go downstairs right now and work out. I've got to do this, that, or the other. And because I'm in a client site all day, I've got to spend my nights catching up with other customers. If you don't take care of yourself physically, watch what you eat, work out, do some type of exercise, uh, you're going to pay the price. You're going to pay the price because sales is a mentally and physically demanding uh, profession. It is. Yeah. And like five years ago, I, I really changed my diet. So I do like this green juice every morning. <laughs> I love right. the Nutribullet. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, how do you do that on the road? That's just it though, right? I, at yeah. home, it's awesome. You just throw all the greens in because I'm not, I mean, anybody see a picture of me, you'll know I'm not really a vegetable guy, but I get the <laughs> vegetables. I'm a cookie guy. I get the vegetables. I get all my vegetables, all my fruits right there in one drink. It's awesome. But on the road... I, I don't know. I don't know if I could. No, it would just take me more time to go to the grocery store, run down to Whole Foods, and travel Good with luck. my Nutribullet. Yeah. I just don't know that I can be that guy. No, no, no. And, and no matter how hard, it, it, the best you can do is getting, you know, the pre-made, you know, somewhat healthy juices right. at Starbucks or something. Yep. But guess what? You're on the road. You're, you, you know, you're totally out of sorts. 
<laughs> you know, you're out of your routine. So, and you're, you probably want some kind of emotional energy, physical energy. So you can eat sugar that you typically don't eat <laughs> right. more caffeine than you typically take. And, and, and then guess what? At night, what do you do? <laughs> you drink more than you normally would drink. Yeah. And I still remember one kickoff, this guy, you know, did backflips to get into sales. He wanted a sales job so bad. Okay, the first kickoff meeting he goes to as a sales rep, you know, he stayed out all night. He walks in two hours late. Oh. To the, and and the, the VP of sales literally calls him out. He says, out in the hall in front of everybody and reamed him. Oh. And, the guy, and the guy came in, you know, uh, you know, I had to have been crying. A grown man was <laughs> crying. It's not a game, right? It's not a game. It's amazing how many people think sales is a game. Like, oh, I want to get into it because, you know, that sales rep's driving. Look at this beautiful Mercedes or or all of those cliches, right? All of those cliches that go into it. Sales is a discipline and it is a demanding one because a lot of the variable of your job are things that you have to be prepared to respond to. How's a customer going to react when the product shits the bed or the demo craps out or, you know, invoice, even invoicing. Like I've had, I've had to deal with irate customers because it didn't like the way they were invoiced. And that's all just to maintain the revenue stream, right? It is a demanding prof- and it is a discipline. I think a lot of people forget that it requires a level of professionalism. I know folks, it sounds odd for me to use that word, but it re- requires, it requires a level of professionalism and commitment to the discipline in order to be successful. And quite frankly, out of respect for the other people that got their asses in the room at eight o'clock. Yeah. And the other thing is, is the whining. You know, you have all the right <laughs> to feel that way, but expressing it to the other reps and being becoming known as the whiner or the, the, the you know, the water cooler person, the gossip, <laughs> yeah. that, that, it, that is just because everyone starts to buy into it. And, and you see these people because they all hang around oh, together. Yeah. And believe me. Every manager sees that, knows it, and you're on the short list if you if you are expressing that or becoming that whiner, no matter how bad the product, the comp plan, the territory. Yep. Keep it to yourself <laughs> because your manager will respect you and will try and accommodate you if you're good. Right. You know, the, the last thing um, I, when I was a manager, you know, an A player, I would do anything for. You know, and it's often said, you know, you don't uh, hire A players, you rent them. (laughs) Yes. Right. Because they can go anywhere. So they will get what they want. The order takers, the the manager wants them to go. And and if you might, getting a terrible comp plan or terrible territory might be a little hint. (laughs) (laughs) So. So why did I get such a crappy comp plan? <laughs> so where's Alaska? <laughs> yeah. How do I get there? <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, the whining, you know, because you've seen reps do this all the time. You know, they, they, they all the new comp plan or the, the expense report scrutiny or, you know, the, the, the arduous administrative activities. You know, the, the way to handle it is cool off. Be professional. Talk to your manager one-on-one as a professional. Express what what is in your way and ask for their help. Yeah, it's always that. It's it's 
keep in mind you can disagree with your boss in private and publicly you have to you should support them right you don't want to be seen as the dissenter i speak from the voice of experience here folks uh, <laughs> you do not want to be seen as the one who questions in a public forum that was i learned that early and i learned it the hard way in my career, I didn't understand that. I was young and dumb and you know the rest of that saying, but it was just, I didn't know that I shouldn't be doing it. I, I didn't have, I hadn't been schooled in, in what was appropriate. That is a very important lesson. I had no problem if one of my reps wanted to come in and sit down and debate up and down about the comp plan. As long as it was an intelligent, well thought out debate. I'm not, I don't, never, never have done whining real well. Uh, I had a 30 second rule. You can come in, you can whine for 30 seconds and then you better be talking about solutions. Uh, but when somebody would challenge me or I've seen other executives too, challenge you publicly, that creates a rift that is, that is counterproductive for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've run into that a couple of times <laughs> on both sides. Oh yeah. And yeah, because it goes back to our lizard brain, right? We're, we're, we've got a knee-jerk reaction to a change that's announced, and you're like, what the hell? Why are you doing that? That's not the way to do it. Um, that even though these meetings may appear casual, uh, you know, they, they, they may want it to be casual. It's still not. Right. And, and e even when you're going out like a team dinner or something, and that's not the time to discuss a topic. No, <laughs> that, that could that could question your manager's uh, capability or capacity. Uh, my last one is, you know, if you're unhappy, don't be sitting on the fence. Make a decision. If if this isn't the right place for you, move on because January happens to be a big hiring season. Yeah, it, don't get into a stalemate. You know, that's the classic stalemate is, OK, I'm not going to do what you want because you're not doing what I want. Guess what? The manager always wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? It's you know what? Guys? It's it is. It's an unfortunate truth. The managers always do. And we talked about on another episode that we did. We talked about getting involved with talking about the comp plan before January. So it's not a surprise. Right. Get involved. Talk to your manager. Have a sense for what it is. So if you know it's headed in a direction that you're not going to be comfortable with, you make your decision and be proactive January 2nd. When everybody's back in, be ready to roll. Don't, don't sit on the fence long enough that all of a sudden you've lost part of Q1 and then you've got to use the rest of it looking for a job. And now you're, you're hurting the company you're with because you're not really being fair to them. You're not chasing doing your job. You're, you're looking for your next job. And it takes time. And then you've got a whole year to rebuild your pipeline depending on what the sales cycle is. So the earlier you make that decision, it's the better for everybody. Yeah, because typically when you do start a new job, the first year typically isn't your best. No. You know, it's it's you know, the territory really isn't a cherry territory. You're not going to get the support because they don't even know if you're any good. So you typically have to spend, you know, three to six months just proving yourself. And let's face it, every manager is looking at nine months to make a decision. Right. And they typically make it six months. Right. You know, so, <laughs> you know, the classic, if you miss your number two quarters in a row, you're out. Right. Um, people typically don't talk about that other than in Boston. <laughs> that's kind of what's going on in their mind. Well, I mean, it's, and it's the reality of it, right? It's the reality of the situation. There are very few organizations that I've seen um, that, that give, I want to say, optimal length of time for a ramp up, right? And it's always, in my experience, 
it was always a battle with the CFO. The CFO, because yeah. you know, you, typically you're going to have some type of recoverable or non-recoverable draw to keep them whole for a little bit, and maybe it starts high the first quarter and ramps down as you expect them, you know, start to produce revenue. But it was always the CFO going, "Why look, this person's been here six months? They haven't produced any revenue." You do realize our sales cycle is eighteen months, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but they haven't produced any revenue in six months. I'm going to give them three more. Okay, again, you do realize our sales cycle is 12 months, right? And, it, and we gave him the crappiest territory we had. So, you know, he, are we seeing the behaviors? Are we seeing the activity? Are we seeing the quality of interactions that we want, that we believe will produce the return? It was always a battle with the CFO, and it was the sales reps that had a tendency to pay the price for that. So, and that goes back to our, the episode we did on negotiating your comp plan. Like, that's just one of the... That's just one of the things you've got to know going in. The chances are somewhere around nine months, CFO is going to get grouchy and your boss is going to run out of, out of ways to defend uh, continuing to keep you on board. So come out of the gate swinging. And that's it. And I think that comes into a, a couple of things. If you're a rep that has a territory you're giving up, the smart reps have those holdouts. You know, and then all of a sudden the new rep comes in. <laughs> Any deal that's real in that territory is held out by the previous guy who doesn't have quota for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a bluebird. Guy, hey, I'm going to keep this. Yeah. Hey, new guy. Sorry about that. Not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's a holdout. <laughs> and I think we should do an episode on being a, the, the new sales rep in a new territory oh, and how yeah. you justify your existence until you have, <laughs> you know, a good revenue stream. Yeah, I think that would be a good one because I mean, it's a challenge. I mean, it's a challenge to everybody in sales, especially like, like you said, make your decision. Don't be on the fence, and and no, I mean, anybody who's been in sales a couple of years and, and changed jobs three years or changed a job once, all you gotta do is change a job once, and you know what the rest of <laughs> what the rest of your career is gonna look like if you choose to make that jump. So, and it's I don't know. I'm a big respect to the company kind of guy. If they're gonna pay me, I feel like I should be you know doing my best to to deliver what I've said I was going to deliver. So if I'm on the fence and I'm talking to recruiters and I'm looking for another job for too long, uh, it just, it doesn't sit right with me. So my advice is always make your decision, get involved with the comp plan, know what you're going to do and plan that year, January one. And again, come out of the gate swinging and be focused and, and get it done. Stop bitching and just get it done. Oh, uh, well, so once again, I'm showing my sensitive side there uh, towards the end of that uh, conversation with Brian. Uh, I apologize uh, if I'm rubbing anybody the wrong way with this stuff. I, I just don't have much patience for people that aren't going to take you know, accountability for their own success. Uh, that plus the fact that, you know, as we talked about in another episode, I have had the flu from hell. So I apologize. I, I'll blame it on the cold medicine. But for those of you that know me, uh, you know I'm willing to help. I'm willing to support. I will bend over backwards to make people successful as long as they take responsibility for their own success as well. Uh, and so those that do that, those that can avoid these mistakes that we've talked about, that they can plan their year out, can optimize their performance, can understand that sales is a discipline and it is a difficult one. Uh, they're the ones that are going to be successful. They're the ones that are going to be the ultra high performers. They're the ones that we're going to have on the show and talk about how they've been successful uh, over the past year, uh, you know, towards the end of this year. So hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Again, uh, send us a, a note write us a review share this out really appreciate the promotion and until next time we have value prime solutions wish you nothing but the greatest success you've been listening to the b2b revenue executive experience 
To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.